Um, but like you said, unless unless it could we could get to that point, it's it's not really going to be fathomable. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and I, I kind of wanted to bounce an idea off of you guys. So in my notes here, I was I was kind of looking over everything that I, I took notes of. And I, I actually went and did some research on what agriculture on Mars actually looks like right now. I, you know, what what they believe, what the what the current scientists believe would be uh kind of the best way to make farming happen if it could happen. And basically they're Welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brennan Black, and in today's episode, we're actually going to be taking a bit of a different direction than usual. We're actually going to be talking about a movie that suits agriculture. And to help us with this episode, we have two special guests here. We have Logan and Braden, and they're going to introduce themselves real quick. Go ahead, Logan. You go first. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always second to Braden anyway, so I guess I'll go first. Yeah, no, my name is, is Logan. Um, I guess I'll give last name because it's told every podcast. Um, it's last name Poindexter um, and from Texas. We do a, a little podcast uh, talking about movies behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of time, uh, you know, just kind of crazy stuff that happens, some funny stuff. Generally, we try to keep it pretty light. Uh, but yeah, I'm 21 and uh, I guess that's all all there is to say. <laughs> and you're a nerd. You forgot that part. <laughs> True. That's right in. Yeah, my name is Brayden. Um, I'm the co-host with Logan on our podcast, Absolutely Gobsmacked. Um, mm-hmm. We started a little over a month ago, about a month and a half maybe, and um, it's been really well. It's been doing really good. Um, we've been seeing an increase in viewership, um, mm-hmm. kind of blew up a little bit on Reddit for, for an episode or two. So we're growing definitely, and you know, we enjoy what we do. We talk about movies and what happens behind the scenes, as Logan mentioned. Um, I'm in South Texas. I'm way down by the Mexican border, about five minutes away. Um, and Logan, I know he's more on the coast. He's not. He's a couple hours away from me. Um, but yeah, we so we do our podcast remote, and yeah, we enjoy doing it. I think uh, if you guys want to give us a listen, it's it's more light. Pretty. We add some comedy to it. Um, once in a while, we do go into some true crime. Um, maybe uh, my idea is once every five episodes, we go into true crime, but it has to it related to Hollywood, right? Behind the scenes history still. Um, so we that one's a little more serious, but uh, for the most part, it is a comedy series. So yeah, any you have any questions for us? Uh, well, I actually have a, a lot of questions, but we'll get to that a little bit <laughs> okay. later on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, awesome. I... I like you know, Braden mentioned the. You know, I found these guys on Reddit actually, and uh, I kind of engaged with with them. And I've been listening to the podcast ever since, and I enjoy it quite a bit. It's a very, it's a nice brain break. Um, it's you know, it's very, uh, just kind of fun just to listen to. Like, oh, I didn't know that that happened, kind of thing. And there's a surprising amount of talk about Munchkins, which I'm still kind of. Curious about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. But yeah, so I think that uh, it's it's worth the it's worth the listen. It's worth checking out, and um, I'll you know we'll we'll remind you guys towards the end about about that kind of thing too um but i think as far as personal questions i don't have a a whole lot right now i actually do have one uh what if any experience you guys have with the agricultural industry or growing food 
Let's Brayden, see. I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> Not very much. We do have some farmland here areas, so you know, you know, we, we'll see the occasional livestock. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll go to the. They have a livestock show here, so we'll go and attend that. That's fun. Um, <laughs> little mini rodeo, and um, you know, I, I when I was younger, I lived in San Antonio for a little bit, and so you know, just Texas is a big, you know, country area, right? Lots mm. of farmland lots of flat land here where i'm at um, especially right by the the ocean there's not really nobody here has basements because we're so close to the ocean so literally just flat straight across and so yeah i don't have a ton of experience i do consider myself more of a city boy <laughs> <laughs> but i think i have more experience than the typical city person so mm. you know um I eat vegetables that are grown from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. We got Texas A&M here. Those are Aggies. Oh, um, yeah. Nearby. Well, a few hours away, but yeah. So other than that, there's not much else. Cool. Logan? Yeah, and as far as with me, um, actually, among our f- friend group, I'm always like teased as as the uh farmer logan or yeah um, and st- stuff like that they're like you need to go back on your <laughs> on your uh your tractor <laughs> and stuff like that <laughs> always teased but um no when i whenever i was uh i believe i was nine when we moved out of west texas um we had lived on a eight thousand acre uh lease ranch hmm. which sounds you know really big like we would have a lot, tons of cattle but we only had about 300 head because <laughs> Um, West Texas is a desert and there's not much grass there, but, um, from there, you know, my, my, my parents both really enjoy uh, gardening and stuff. And in fact, in my backyard, I have uh, some corn and some, well, I'll be planting potatoes whenever the fall comes in, um, Mm. as I do every year. So, I mean, a a little bit, um, I'm by no means an expert, but, uh, I do like having my, my hands in the dirt, so to speak. Awesome. Well, speaking of potatoes, that transitions perfectly into our topic today. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Before we before we get into that, I think that it's it's cool that you guys both have at least. Uh, oh, I mean, Logan seems to have quite a bit more, but at least you know a a a firm grasp on the idea of agriculture and everything that goes into it. And um, you know, I, I was raised in an agricultural community here in, in California. I actually raised some of the animals that are used in some of those livestock shows like like Braden had mentioned and mm-hmm. you know I I definitely understand the uh the uh, get back on your tractor kind of uh <laughs> banter that goes on because you know the school I went to most of the kids were more city-esque even though we lived in a country town and they were not uh Aggies and so if, if they you know heard me talking about Ag they, they told me to go back and play with my cows and usually I did because I like playing with my cows but um <laughs> cows no, are cool man Cows are cool. I I will stand by that until the day that I die. Yeah. Awesome. The best milk. They sure do. (laughs) I couldn't live without cheeseburger. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Cool. Well, uh, I think that that's a a pretty good transition into our our topic today. So uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this is going to be somewhat of a different style, but uh, that's kind of been the whole point of this second season that I've been calling it of, of the podcast is that we're trying some different things, doing some different approaches to some episodes and seeing what works and what doesn't. And so with this one, we're actually be talking about a movie that more or less talks about and, and kind of goes into the science of agriculture. And that movie is The Martian. Mm-hmm. So uh, as, as we explore that more, what, what uh, first of all, I'm assuming you two have seen The Martian. Yes, I'm assuming I have. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what you know? What are your thoughts? What 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 uh, you know? Just of the movie as a whole, what what do you guys think? Yeah. Well, I'd if I if you don't mind, I'd like to chime in here. Um, first of all, I saw this movie when it came out in the theaters. Um, had been looking forward to it just because. Um, you know, it stars Matt Damon, who I think is a good actor. I mean, he's not, you know, he doesn't go way out there with his roles a lot <laughs> of the times. But I think he does a really good job in this movie. And it's directed by Ridley Scott, who um, arguably is one of the more well-known directors. You know, he directed the original Alien movie mm-hmm. from the 80s, which is a big deal. He directed Blade Runner, one of the, you know, top 80s movies uh, of all time. And Gladiator, which is a really popular movie. So very well-known director, very talented. Um, so you know this one is another one it's a book adaptation i should say so you know it is adapted from a book i haven't read the book yet but i heard it was good that's why they made it into a movie Um, but as far as overall you know entertainment factor i think it's a very well done movie it's got a pretty good cast lots Mm -hmm. of different actors and actresses that are very talented and um yeah i really enjoyed the the whole movie yeah, and as far as with with me, um, I think it kind of suffered a little bit from you know what happened to Interstellar. Mm. Um, it was kind of hyped to be a, a different kind of movie than what it ended up being. Not that that's wrong. Um, I think both movies are, are fantastic, but uh, not you know major blockbusters that changes the the world like some of the the pre- previous movies by by Ridley Scott. But uh, right. I I did enjoy it. Um, I thought it was an, an interesting film. Um, it had definitely a different take on uh, being stranded in space. Uh, and I, I thought it was a lot more down to earth, so to speak, um, than a lot of sci-fi uh, adventures. Yeah, no, I definitely have to agree. And I, you know, on, on both of those points, I think you guys actually had a, a really good point. Yesterday was actually my first time seeing the movie in its entirety. I'd only mm-hmm. ever seen clips of it. Um, and so I got to watch the entire thing yesterday which is really cool and i enjoyed it quite a bit um i i definitely would agree that you know it uh it, it was a good movie it has some faults you know it has some some good things it definitely takes a very interesting take on the whole you know like combination of like sci-fi but more sci than fi and, and also you know like right. the, the whole like yeah like you know like you said the the survival aspect of it's very interesting and it's a different take than you know he's not having to fight off monsters he's trying to fight off biology basically mm-hmm so yeah, I think that's I think that's a, a good place to start. And uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, just a quick synopsis of it. Basically, it's, it's the story, and I'll. I mean, we're gonna be talking. I guess I should probably put a spoiler warning in here somewhere because we're gonna be talking about you know at least a significant portion of the movie. Um, you know, it, it like we mentioned earlier, it stars Matt Damon, and he's uh, a botanist. He he is part of the team that goes to Mars, the Ares Three, and they are you know. Uh, collecting samples of, of Martian soil and they're running tests and they're doing all this stuff when this massive storm hits that uh, is about to basically capsize their ships and they have to they have to evacuate the ship or they have to evacuate the planet and Matt Damon's character uh, his name is Mark Watney actually gets left behind because he got hit by a satellite that they believe killed him and so they leave him behind and he ends up surviving and he has to learn how to survive on Mars for something like 500 days some I can't remember mm-hmm. what the number is now um, but he has to survive for a while while NASA tries to figure out how to get him back after they find out that he's still alive. Um, and so you can imagine how, you know, surviving on a deserted planet, uh, would be difficult to say in the least, if not impossible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he figures out how to do it by using some really, really, uh, 
smart planning with with you know use of science and with and with technology and agriculture and all these things that are some of them are, are a little bit further down the line in terms of what technology we have right now, but some of it's stuff that's very, very possible to do today. And that's what we're going to talk about as, as we get into this some more. Okay. So, so. I don't want to get ahead of myself here because mm-hmm. I know he, you know, I mean, the, the basis of the movie is he has to survive until they can figure out how to get him back home. Right. Right. I mean, that's really what the movie's about. He's stranded and it's, it's a stranded movie, but he's stranded in space and mm-hmm. he's stranded on Mars. We haven't been to Mars yet. Right. So, how accurate do you think this movie is? I mean, considering what we know now. Accuracy in terms of how he survives or the fact that the situation happened at all? Um, the, the, the fact that he survives, the, the way he goes about it. I think that some of the stuff is a little bit far-fetched. Um, right. it, I, I think that because I did a decent amount of research on the science behind it uh, after watching the movie just because I was curious, but... As far as the, you know, and we, we'll get into the agriculture stuff some more too, but as far as the growing the food and, and the, you know, allocation of resources, I think a lot of that was, I mean, it might have been stretched a little bit, but it was, it was fairly on par. The nutritional aspects might be a little, uh, you know, that might be, that they might have had to do some, some Hollywood magic there to, you know, to uh, make us all assume that he could survive off of the diet of just potatoes for forever. Um some of the technology I think is, is still to come. So I think with, with the current technology and the current practices and the current understanding of, of agriculture and science and technology, I don't think it's possible right now. No. Um, maybe by the time we colonize Mars, we might have some, some better understanding of how some of that stuff might work and we might be able to do it. But I, I think that the, the chances of him surviving were slim to none, if, if even possible. Right. Because I mean, that's a, quote unquote fact that a lot of people believe is that you can survive strictly on potatoes as far as food goes. Hmm. Is that fact? So as far as I've been able to tell, and and I've done a significant amount of research on, on nutrition for other conversations I've had, but potatoes are one of the only foods that you can survive a long distance of time on, but you can't sustain yourself completely on them. That was actually, uh, I don't know if you guys watched the YouTuber Film Theory. He's actually Game Theory, but he made a second channel. Mm, I haven't. Okay, so he's awesome. He does a lot of analyses and theories on different movies, and he actually does video games on on you know on his other channel as well. He actually just started a new one called Food Theory, which I'm very interested in checking out. Um, in in his analysis of The Martian, he tells the story about this guy. I can't remember what his name is, but he basically is an advocate for uh, the the farming of potatoes. And this guy survived for like 90 days on just a potato diet because he wanted to prove that he could. And it was not ideal to say in the least. Like, I mean, it kind of messed him up biologically, but he could do it because if you look at the nutritional content of potatoes, they have almost all the nutrients that humans need to survive besides like four. And those four are pretty important. And that's why he had some health complications because of it. But he ideally could have survived for a long period of time. The problem is not the nutritional content of the potato is the quantity of potato. He had to eat like a, 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 heavily significant amount like almost like i'd say like 10 potatoes a a day or something like that to to keep him alive whereas you know matt damon's character only gets to eat one a day ah so that's the sorry i didn't mean cut you off no 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 no. i and i was gonna say that that, that's something i do appreciate in the movie um Mm -hmm. just as a real quick side note is that they do make him thinner you know it's it's kind of a callback to uh castaways where he gets thinner he gets weak um he can't work as hard 
um, and they mm. show that in the film. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I don't think <laughs> the one <laughs> potato a day would would be impossible or yeah, it, he definitely wouldn't be able to do as much work as he does. He would have to like basically sleep the entire time, wake up, <laughs> eat a potato, go back to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, that's, I, I agree with you. I, I really appreciated the fact that they made him look thinner and weaker and, and that he kind of, I mean, like he even starts to kind of lose some of his, some of his psychological stability over time, which part of that's isolation, but another part of it can be attributed to his diet because uh, potatoes are actually lacking in a vitamin called B12, which is only present in animal proteins. And that vitamin, that B12, if you don't have a supplement for it, then you'll start to see, like, they've, they've done tests to see that people who are deficient in B12 are actually a lot um, a lot more likely to have uh, depression, anxiety, um, even start to kind of go crazy, because that, that vitamin is what kind of maintains our, uh, like, the, the exchange of chemicals in our brain that keep us happy and sane, basically. Mm. So there, there is some accuracy in the fact that his, his behavior started to change a little bit, but the idea that he could sustain himself off of that one potato with no supplements, and which we don't know that he didn't have any supplements. He might have had some left over from the crew, but uh, the, the chances of him having enough to sustain himself over that period of time were not not entirely like you, like we will go with that. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that on on that regard, as, on, as far as the possibility goes, there's a lot left up to the imagination. I personally don't think it's is very possible with what we have, but who knows? By the time we actually touch Mars, we we might be able to figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah. So, um, I think that one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys before we hop into the uh, discussion some more is, what did you guys think of? So, I'll, I guess I'll kind of reverse the question on you. What did you think of his survival techniques in in terms of like? The technology, the the energy that his his personal energy that he had to sustain, like the agricultural practices, how he used, you know, the the basically mulch or, or manure of, of him and his crewmates to sustain his farm. What, what do you guys think of all of that? Um, as I, I guess I'll, I'll hop into this, Braden. I go first. I'm not kidding. No. Um, <laughs> uh, I I. Definitely wanted to to do a little bit. I did a little bit of research on that, you know, with with the, uh, you know, we don't we don't know the exact conditions of, of the Martian atmosphere at that time, and you know, again, our our experience yeah. is very limited. Like you said, maybe when we touch down, things will be different. Um, but based off of what we know right now, um, he probably would have gotten very sick using, you know, that manure, um, or you know. Yeah, from from his crewmates and himself, um, using using it from himself, he would have been fine. But you know the the different uh, biological effects that that um, you know cross contamination with with other human feces in the soil would have definitely had negative effects. So the likelihood of of that, I think, was quite the stretch. And also the the Martian soil itself, um, we just don't know enough to know if it would have the all right. Sorry about that. Uh, the the weird break is because we had an internet issue, but we got it resolved now. So Logan, what were you saying? Um, yeah, no, just um, about how you know the ap- between the atmosphere and um, the soil, you know, having the correct nutrients, and obviously he changes the atmosphere for the plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the soil, um, the the toxic nature, um, or even just the high pH levels could definitely be a factor. And I'm sure you know a lot about that. <laughs> um, but it's you know, a, a lot of different factors throw in in there. Uh, I think, I think that's also a stretch. I think this movie lives on a lot of, 
um, thin lines, and that's the diehard, you know, scientists probably don't really appreciate it, but um, I think for, as far as from a scientific standpoint, it's it's interesting at the very least. It's interesting to to take a look at. And oh Brayden, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I I wasn't sure if you had anything to say that, Braden. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, um, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that there's there's definitely a lot. I mean, like you said, even if if not everything is perfectly um, what's we're looking for realistic or, or, or valid scientifically, there's definitely a lot of, of interesting concepts there. Even you know, and and we could use it to base a lot of of our understanding of of how that might work. And and so I, I did a decent amount of research on the quality of soil on Mars. And there's a, quite a bit of studying. I mean, I, I'm sure as you guys can imagine, there's quite a bit of research done to see if we actually could farm on Mars because they did find water over there uh, about actually the same week this movie came out, ironically enough. Um, but there was like, basically the, the problem with Mars is because their atmosphere is so different than ours and they have, you know, they have low gravity and they don't have as much oxygen. And there's, you know, there's, there's so many differences between our climates and theirs. It would require the crops we take over there to be evolved to their climate, just to be able to grow properly because their soil doesn't have nitrogen in it. Like our soil does. And, and our crops rely on that nitrogen to be able to grow properly. And so like, and, and not only that the soil itself uh, the microbiomes within the soil, which is actually kind of a newer science that the that the uh, farmers are exploring a little bit, is that you know, there, there's a there's an interconnected web inside the soil that's keeping that soil alive, that's keeping the crop alive, and that that interconnected web relies on nitrogen and a few other nutrients to remain active. And Mars just doesn't have that, and the crops that we would bring over there just couldn't do that for the soil, and, and the soil couldn't do anything for the crop. So it's kind of and, and there's, I'm trying to remember what it's called now. There's another thing in there. It's basically a salt, but it's it's toxic to, to humans. And I don't remember what it's called now. Um, it's only toxic in, in high doses, so it, it might be okay. But if, if the food absorbs that and we eat a, a significant amount of the food, we will start to see some health effects that, that could be dangerous. So the, the, the long and short of it is that the soil of, of Mars is not sustainable enough to grow any food on until we're able to adapt the climate of Mars to be more similar to that of earth or until we could adapt the crops of earth to be more similar to the climate of Mars. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, oh, go ahead, Brayden. Sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> no, go ahead. I just was agreeing. I, I don't really have a point to make <laughs> <laughs> a new point. I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually I, I had a uh, watched uh, uh, an interesting, I guess it's not really a show. It was more of a, a video. Um, mm. uh, about that specifically, about um, you know, it, would it be possible to to terraform Mars with with what we know now? Mm. Um, obviously, there's there's a lot more that goes into it than just uh, you know going up and setting up a machine and, and pushing start, uh, but um, you know, such as just dealing with the radiation, dealing with like you said, uh, the toxic soil. Um, mm. But as far as with the atmosphere, uh, it's pretty cut and dry as far as just they they really believe that there's a lot of uh, carbon dioxide like beneath the soil that's that's mm -hmm. trapped um so just releasing that kind of uh, creating a greenhouse effect on the planet would would start opening it up a lot more and and, and uh, creating more of a protective shield um but like you said unless unless it could we could get to that point it's it's not really going to be fathomable yeah 
No, absolutely. And and I, I kind of wanted to bounce an idea off of you guys. So in my notes here, I was, I was kind of looking over everything that I, I took notes of. And I, I actually went and did some research on what agriculture on Mars actually looks like right now. I, you know, what what they believe, what the, what the current scientists believe would be uh, kind of the best way to make farming happen if it could happen. And basically their idea is what's what's called microbial crops. So not only would they not be crops that we grow here, but they would almost be like like more of like algae, algae and like kind of like low growing plants that don't take up a whole lot of space and they don't need a whole lot of sunlight because Mars doesn't get as much sunlight as Earth does. Right. And I was curious what you what you guys think about you know because they have they have the idea of microbial crops which require a lot less of the like nitrogen inputs and all of those other chemicals that we don't that we don't have readily available on Mars, and they also have things like hydroponics that they've been working with for the International Space Center. And, you know, they, they have these these practices of basically agriculture that is kind of like Earth's, but it's basically a whole new form of, of growing food. And like, what, what do you guys think about that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, my question is, are, are they looking at it from the perspective of how are, how could we be able to farm on Mars? Just just from start from that point. Or mm. are they looking at how would we be able to farm from Mars and survive? Because my question is, how would we be able to survive off of that? Right. And and that was a question I had as well. When I was doing the research, I was like, I don't want to eat algae for the rest of my life. Like, I'm not sure that's going to be sustainable. <laughs> and so I, I think that they're going, I think that they're starting with the idea of, can we even farm on Mars? And then eventually they're going to say, okay, we can farm on Mars. Can we farm in a way that will keep us alive on Mars? Right. And they haven't even gotten to that point yet, it seems. Not that I've seen from any of the research. Yeah, we have a long ways to go to figure out. So, I mean, the movie's a lot really far-fetched, of course, just because mm. there's a lot of unknowns, as already mentioned. Um, right. So they really kind of just make stuff up, or they try to make it as scientifically accurate as possible, it seems like. Yeah. Um, no, you know, and I, taking some with taking some liberties as well, of course. Um, yeah. No, I, I... Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, I, I was going to say, I, I, I think that there's definitely a... A decent amount of just you know you just got to believe this because it's it's a it's a movie kind of thing but i think that there are because of how serious the scientists are right now about potentially colonizing mars there's definitely a lot of a, a lot of people that are looking into the idea of of would it be possible to survive on mars and they're trying to figure out the best way that that could be done and you know obviously the movies is very you know it's it's kind of just like I mean, not best case scenario, but probably only case scenario. Like if, if this were to happen, this is the only idea we, that we have that might possibly work, maybe. And in reality, if they try to do that, it probably wouldn't work. And, you know, well, I mean, it almost didn't work in, in the movie, even like we saw his entire farm got blown up just because he wasn't perfectly careful with everything he did. And, and he was, it was just a matter of that's how things work. Um so there, there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of unknowns that they're, they're still trying to explore with the idea of survival on Mars. I mean, food just being one of the biggest aspects of that, but there's a lot of different things that they haven't completely figured out yet. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of movies in general is um, you can start to experiment with possibilities that, that are unknown at the, at the moment, mm-hmm. especially with science and the future, things like that. Right. Um, mm. Predicting the future, but you know, it asks a lot of questions for you. And I appreciate that about any movie is that it asks questions for you. It brings up topics you may not have thought about or, you know, questions you may not have thought about. 
and it becomes inspirational, right? Right. So, you know, it, it starts to ask the question of, can we survive on Mars? You know, or can you survive on potatoes? You know, even simple questions like that. It asks for you so that, you know, you can start to try and imagine it or picture it because movies do that for you. They put things, you know, on screen for you to visualize like with this movie's based off a book, right? So the book you can write down, this is how he survives and, and, and write it out for everyone to read. But the movie, the task the movie has to take on is to put it on screen to make it look believable. Right. Hmm. And so I think that's just a whole different ball game um, compared to writing a book is you actually have to make people, you have to visualize it for people. You have to put it, uh, into a movie so that people watching can, you know, at least the average person can try and believe that it's possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it does one of the things I think is the most important part of it is it makes people ask, like you said, ask questions and, and, you know, it it may even inspire them to kind of do some of the research into what, into what's possible and what's not as far as, you know, the development of, of technology and science and, and the ability to grow food in areas that we haven't been able to grow before. And, by asking those questions, people are, you know, they're educating themselves on on different parts of of life and, and of technology and advancement that they just didn't know about before. And that, that could very well be a good thing. You know, right. The more people wonder about that kind of stuff, the more we have people that are, are going to put in the work to try to figure out how it could be possible. Exactly. You just don't want to take what you see as face value. You know, you don't want to believe what everything that you just watch. Right. You want exactly. to look into it. You know, you want to look into it. Is that possible? Could that really happen? Things like that. You got to ask more questions. Right. And you got to look look into it for yourself. But at least the movie helps you get get started off. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I really, I really did appreciate the movie and, and, um, you know, Mark Watney as a character just because, and maybe I'm, I'm grasping at straws a little bit here, but I, I personally think that he is like the perfect analogy for a farmer, especially a modern farmer. And I'll, I'll kind of explain what I mean by that. So one of the first things that he says whenever he figures out that he's going to survive there for however many days is, and, and I have the quote written down here because I wanted to get it right. He, he says, I'm not going to die. That was it. He just, he looked into the camera, said, I'm not going to die. And then he went and became a farmer, which <laughs> that's, I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. This, I mean, that's what started agriculture in the first place. Right. Everyone in society was kind of like, we're not going to die. And then he started growing their own food. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of hands-on learning. You know? Yes. You got you to go out and do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and trial and error. Right. And I think. Right. That, and pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, exactly. And and trying to figure out if you can find new ways to do things better and easier than you did them before. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things I appreciate because the entire movie, I mean, if this is kind of true with anything, if you're looking for something hard enough, you're going to find it. But the entire movie, I think, can be treated as an analogy for kind of the early developments and just, you know, even modern developments of agriculture, of science and as you know of, of just society. Um, like, you know, he, he talks about how he has like, uh, like he figures out, I mean, I I get that he's a botanist, but he figures out how to not just make the plants healthy, but how to actually farm them in a way that's efficient. And like, he creates his own water source and he does like the whole like tarp irrigation thing, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff is stuff that we don't do on earth, obviously, but farmers have figured out how to do stuff that's, that's incredibly unique and amazing we have like drip irrigation and we have you know giant machines that keep the frost off of our trees and we have you know all these advancements in technology that is going into producing our food that people would 
probably nor- not normally think of in, in their everyday lives. I think that's that's kind of a, a unique thing to see in you know in movies and just in in life in general. Yeah. Have you have you ever seen Dirty Jobs? I don't think I have. Okay. Just because there's been a couple of times when when he ends up you know because farming is honestly a very can be a very dirty job getting your hands mm-hmm. dirty, um and and it was exactly that point that you just made uh, about all those advancements and stuff. Uh, there's so much that people take for granted um, mm-hmm. and that I was definitely shown up in, in that movie. Um, and like something that I, I remember thinking, like, how do they do that? Like um, apples, you know, picking apples, you, you're not going to have, you know, if people out there handpicking apples. That's just not, you know, you, you can't pay people enough um, a right. lot of time um, or even, you know, for, for grapes. Um, it's just, it's, it's not conductive for, making a profit for making a living even right um but yeah i mean i think it, it takes he takes a lot of uh like you said a lot of the modern take of of a farmer um mm-hmm. and he's a scientist and it's it's a lot of fun and it's really cool i i gotta agree with all those things <laughs> <laughs> yeah no absolutely and and i love the part where he's where he's talking about how he's like you know i grow all natural organic martian grown potatoes you don't hear that every day <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> that that mentality i think is just really really it, it's cool to see you know like the idea of like you know he's like a frontiersman you know he talks about how he's a, he's a space pirate because you know mars is is up to it's like maritime law kind of thing and uh you know all, all these different like he talks about how you know once you've grown crops somewhere you colonize that land kind of thing and all of these different things are kind of just it's cool to see because, you know, we don't get to see that kind of stuff anymore. We colonize pretty much everywhere on earth that we can find. And mm-hmm. we, we have this idea of like, you know, earth is, you know, we, we, we've, there's nothing left to, to do on earth besides just try to find a way to get off of earth basically is, is kind of what the scientific consensus is right now. And so to see a new place, you know, where, where nothing is there and, and he's doing all these things that we did in the earliest forms of our society, I think it's kind of just, I think that's one of the big appeals of the, of the movie to a lot of people is this like he's doing something that nobody's done before kind of thing and that's pretty cool to watch and in my opinion i think just in general people that you know are into agriculture farmers mm-hmm. um, in some ways at times because they're so um productive and and really at times ambitious a lot of farmers end up becoming inventors in different ways i'll give Absolutely. you an example I'll give you an example. Um, this is just off the top of my head. It's not the best example anyone could come up with. But, <laughs> you know, if you watch Shark Tank, a lot of pe- entrepreneurs that come on to Shark Tank are farmers, you mm-hmm. know, people that would be considered just normal everyday farmers. But they come <laughs> up with some of the coolest things. One person came up with like a wheel wheelbarrow that had like a tray for your drink and, and, and could hold your tools. Mm-hmm. So just you see these, these different ways that people um, – well, you just – watching the movie you, you see that he's well he's right he's a botanist right originally right. but he becomes like an inventor he, he comes up with just new things that you don't see anymore and it's just fascinating you know to, to see that even in real life right right yeah absolutely and and we you know we we talk about all the time how you know we like or that's the best way to put this so farmer farming and agriculture has a lot of newer technology and you know, like we use drones we use robots we use right. wind machines like we have all, mm-hmm. all this fancy technology but people forget that a lot of and, and even some of the newer technology but a lot of the older technology that was used in agriculture was invented by the farmer i mean they invented their own tools they invented their own right. like you said the wheelbarrow or they invented you know they invented things that 
basically they were doing a job and they said, man, it'd be really cool if I had something that would help me do this job better. And they just went and made it because they felt like it. And, mm-hmm. or, or maybe because it was, it was necessity for them to complete the job at, at a rate that they needed to, to keep their head above water financially. Yeah. I mean, so. they're some of the hardest working people and you'll mm-hmm. see dads they're they'll work <laughs> night and day just to provide for their family. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and to keep their family comfortable um, while also teaching their children how to survive on their own too. And I think right. that's very admirable that you see that in a lot of those families. Um, yeah. My question to you, though, mm-hmm. and work with me here, okay? <laughs> so I think this is one of the things that fascinates me about this movie in particular, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back to another movie, a couple other movies. Um, you got 2001 Space Odyssey, right? Mm-hmm. Movie made last century. Um, basically, in some ways, predicting the future to the best of their ability at the time. Right. And I think one of the things they predicted correctly was one of the many things was like FaceTime, which Mm -hmm. was kind of an unheard idea at the time. You Mm -hmm. look at the second back to the future that takes place in 2015. I knew it. And they, they, (laughs) they predicted, you know, they get a lot of things wrong, but you look at what they did get right. Right. Mm -hmm. You look at what are the things that they predicted correctly. For example, they predicted um, Disney buying star Wars. You know, it's kind of weird, but but it's like far fetched. But these things are possible. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, do you think The Martian can be one of those movies that we'll look back on? And I'm sure it won't get everything right. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. already we already know some of the things they did wrong that are not possible. But you think we'll look back and say, you know what? They had they these guys are pretty smart. The ones making the, the movie and, and writing the book. I think so. Personally, and I'll tell you why. So. Mm-hmm. In agriculture, it's a constant race of not being able to get enough resources for what you want. So uh, particularly in California, we struggle with water, as you might have heard. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, have a, we have a tendency to not get enough water. And it's not that we're not getting enough rain. It's that we, we don't have the infrastructure to support holding enough water in our area. And we see in, you know, in the Martian, he creates his own water source by capturing, you know, different elements and, and by using fire to extract the hydrogen and combine it with the oxygen. And he, he creates his own water. I think that things like that, things that, you know, give us the opportunity to take, you know, the, the chemical components of certain things and use them for other purposes. I don't, I don't see why, why we wouldn't create advancements like that, you know, even within the next 10, 20, maybe 30 years, uh, I, I definitely don't know if everything that he uses is going to be at some point used in the future, but I, I, I highly believe at least some of his practices are, they may even be the inspiration for new technologies that right. to, to produce food and, and maybe not even just food, but just technology to, to enhance life. Right. Maybe like a different variety to what, you know, the, the, the techniques that he used, right. Not right. necessarily the exact replica, um, but just, you know, kind of it branches from that idea that yeah. came about from the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. So I wanted to bring up a point. So I think it's kind of funny and in, in, in a not so funny way. But um, I think that, the, you know, since we were talking about how he kind of represents, you know, the ideal of the farmer and as, you know, just the ideal of the person trying to advance in, in society and stuff like that. I found it really funny, which I know it wasn't supposed to be, but I found it really funny that he kind of learns the hardest lesson that there is to learn from agriculture. And that's that by being a farmer, you're basically playing, you know, you're playing roulette because 
the, the biggest thing that farmers face on top of everything else, you know, the, the regulations and, and, you know, there, there's tons of issues that farmers face, but the biggest thing and the thing that they can control the least is the weather. It basically every day a farmer risks his entire crop getting destroyed. You know, yeah. it, it could go from he's making a million dollars one day to the next day. He hasn't got an, a crop left in the field just because weather is, is only somewhat predictable. And, and they can, you know, a tornado could come by and wipe out everything that he's ever owned. And, and now he's got nothing. It's just, which I guess that's, that's true for, for a lot of different types of, of industries and for a lot of people's lives. But with agriculture in particular, you're relying on the, you're relying on nature to keep you sustainable. And if nature decides it doesn't want to be sustainable, then you just lost everything that you've ever worked towards. And he learns that very quickly when his entire farm blows up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've actually seen that in real life. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Hurricane Harvey. Um, I hate to bring it up again because <laughs> in, in our area, it's like kind of a meme. But anyways, mm. um, in especially in my area, there's a lot, a lot of cotton farmers, right? Mm. Uh, it's it's very big, very easy just because of our area um, to, to grow cotton. And <laughs> these poor farmers on both sides of the road between where I live and San Antonio – um, they had just bailed up all their cotton. They had just bailed it up, uh, ready to ship out. And as I was driving back, coming home after the hurricane, uh, I saw bales and bales and bales sitting in water. Like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, I, I, I got to agree with you. I think he, he sees that, he gets that hit and it's like, that determination is, is so there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, I think the research done for the movie in that field as well was <laughs> impeccable. I, 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 I'm, I'm appreciating the movie more and more just talking <laughs> with you guys about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just in general, not just with farming, but perseverance in general, you got to almost expect the unexpected or expect something bad to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. You, as much as you, you should be positive and, and should want to be positive. You almost want to have in the back of your mind that, you know, sometimes things are going to go way south. And you have to ha- have a plan. Like, what are you going to do to bounce back from that? I think that's right. just a life lesson in general. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to a plan I made earlier, I think he has the right mentality for, and this is a mentality that not everyone who, who faces that kind of hardship has, but I think that those who, who have this mentality are much better off for, and that's the mentality of I'm not going to die, you know, like his entire farm blows up and he's like, okay, I guess I'll just go picked up, go get picked up by my friends. And he just, figures out how to make the rest of his food ration just long enough to get him to where he needs to be. And, you know, that mentality of, of we're not going to let this hold us back kind of thing is, I think is what kind of motivated a lot of, you know, just kind of human development as a whole, you know, all the buildings that we've built, all the machines that we've developed, all the, you know, the science that we've done, you know, you got to imagine how many labs blew up, how many farms were destroyed, how many buildings were destroyed before, you know, and, and how many people were, were just wanting to give up before they, they finally figured out that, you know, we can't give up because society and, and humanity is depending on us. And that's kind of, that, I think that, like, you know, I, I hate to get, to get deep, but I think that this movie reflects that kind of, that kind of struggle really, really well, you know, showing yeah. that despite all else, determination is, is one of the most powerful things that a human can possess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, Everyone's going to have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. You got to yeah. be determined. You know, if you want to be happy and successful, you got to be determined to do, you know, whether it's what you do 
good, you know, what you're good at, or you got to be determined to, to get where you want to be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't mean to get all philosophical on you guys, but (laughs) I'm crying um, right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, did you guys have any other questions uh, as far as the, you know, the agricultural parts of, of the movie that you saw that you were kind of curious about? Um, so I'm not sure about this. I didn't do research on it, but at the beginning there was some kind of like storm, right? That that mm-hmm. caused the him to be stranded. How accurate is that? So from from doing research, and I actually looked this up myself because I wasn't fully aware of, of this. The atmosphere in, in Mars is so weak compared to Earth's that that storm wouldn't be possible. Basically, that you know the the strongest winds on Mars are like a breeze. Like they, they don't even reach the levels that, that the earth can have. Like they don't have tornadoes. They don't have massive dust storms. It's just not something that happens because their atmosphere is just not strong enough. And their gravity is like, I think three times weaker than, than earth or something like that. So, which also isn't represented super well in the movie. And I was kind of disappointed to see that because I want to see him floating around, but it's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as I can tell from doing my research, that storm should not have happened. Yeah. Yep. And, and even if they did, um, it wouldn't have been, because I did, I did a lot of research on this too, especially whenever I first saw the movie. Because mm-hmm. I had remembered just at the uh, just before watching the movie, mm-hmm. um, reading an article somewhere. I don't remember why it stuck in my brain that there wasn't. There's not a lot of wind, like like you said already um, on Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if there was a storm, you know that was uh, that had started up. It would have lasted weeks, and again, wouldn't have been much more than a breeze, but it would have just been um, very dirty air, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And and so if that would have happened, you know, and maybe they all had a slight cough, I don't think it would have tipped over their entire ship, and and you know, definitely wouldn't have warranted him him being stranded stranded there. I don't think it would have pushed the satellite through his chest or anything like that. But it, it it's all for the sake of making a good movie, I guess. Yeah, well, I don't know. I would have liked to see him float around, but maybe maybe they tried it and they're like, this is not very fun. Training I, I think that would have been cool to see him trying to farm, but everything's floating. <laughs> maybe that's what, what, what would have made it impossible. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what they're trying to do with hydroponics in, in the International Space Center. I'm not sure how how great things are going for them. I know they have agriculture in the Space Center. I'm just not sure how it how it works exactly yeah and and just kind of off the top of my head what what i would think is there's got to be you know some sort of barrier some sort of way to keep everything compressed and together right um, obviously and, and to keep the moisture in but also to provide warmth and and, and light for them to to ph- photosynthesize yeah um, i can imagine there's some kind of chamber that they use to to house the the crops that they're trying to grow with hydroponics um i mean they they at least had the luxury of not having to worry about soil in that instance but they still have to do the, the nutritional supplements to the plants and all that sort of stuff yeah actually it just reminds me i saw um there's a youtube cha- um, channel that where they interview different people experts and mm-hmm. ask them about the accuracies of different movies and they interviewed an astronaut on different um movies like the martian and interstellar and uh there were some others that i forget mm-hmm. the one with uh, chris pratt and jennifer lawrence where they that's where they wake up. no the one where they wake up too early and everyone's still asleep they're on their way to the the second oh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, i forget what it's called. i forget what that one's too whenever you forget it makes me forget Braden. <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was interstellar i guess it's not i always get those movies confused yeah i forget uh the name I'll, just escapes me i'll look it up i have my phone 
We have technology. That's true. <laughs> it reminds yeah. me of the Patrick meme with on SpongeBob. Like, we have technology. <laughs> You're a man of culture. <laughs> yeah. um, come from California doesn't mean I don't have a sense of humor. Passengers. That's what yeah. It's passengers. Oh, yes, that movie. Yeah. So apparently there was a lot of accuracy. There's always going to be things that are not right, but um, a lot of these movies lately have been pretty fairly scientifically accurate because I think that's what people want to see nowadays. Oh, yeah. We're getting so advanced technologically that um, people are becoming more and more aware of what's accurate and what's not, hopefully. <laughs> I hope I'm not <laughs> just always, saying that. That's always kind of the, you know, like, like you said, the hope that, that people are, are starting to catch on that, you know, okay, that, that can't happen and okay, that, that's fairly plausible. Although some people are, are somewhat um, unaware of the technology that we have available on, on Earth right now. Like, in, like I, I was having conversations with, with some people I had on the podcast before that didn't realize that we use robotic, that we use robots in, in agriculture, that we use artificial intelligence, yeah. or that we use, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. And, and that the drones that we, that we use in, in farming are more advanced than any drone that the, that's on the consumer market right now. And when, when I bring that kind of stuff up, they're, they're like, I, I thought that farmers just, you know, put some seeds in the ground and waited for them to grow. Wow. I was like, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I mean, people feel that way with about just about, you know, people that are just uneducated about certain things and they, they, they tend to lean on stereotypes. <laughs> right. Um, even with, with like firefighters, you know, I went to the fire Academy and there's a lot of people that are like, I thought firefighters just put fire out with their hoses and that's it. <laughs> there's there's yeah. a lot more that they do. There's a lot more that everyone does and, and everyone's becoming more technologically advanced. You kind of have to, you got to keep up because it makes right. things easier, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I've, I've come across that as well, you know, just learning that people don't uh, just, they, first of all, they don't do research. And second of all, they just, they have very simplistic understandings of, of the world around them until they are, are taught or until they go and, and educate themselves about what's actually going on out there. Yeah. There's a lot of people that don't know how to do research. I was kind of surprised. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, that that's a problem in society as a whole. Like a lot of people get <laughs> upset about just about anything without yeah. any research whatsoever. Right. Um, but not to get political or anything. I, I don't want to do that. But uh, <laughs> just just in general. Um, well, just it's it's not necessarily political when it's fact. You know what I mean? Like there's just true. a lot of people. There's there's so I think the United States has the most skeptics when it comes to COVID. <laughs> and we're supposed <laughs> to be the most advanced, you know, country, right? But right. there's just there's so many people that are um, ignorant, I guess is the mm -hmm. word. I don't want to be too mean, but they're just not educated. Um, right. And we see it every day. My wife's a nurse and she comes home mad every day about all the people that are just totally unaware of anything that has to do with medically. They don't understand how to stay healthy. They don't understand how to prevent the spread of germs. They don't understand side effects. And, you know, that pneumonia, for example, is a, can be caused because of COVID. They, right. they think pneumonia is a completely separate thing, so there's no way they could they could go hand in hand. There's just people that don't know how to connect the dots to certain things. Well, that always cracked me up whenever everything first started, and they started posting the the commercials on TV, and, and like even like Target started having like announcements over their loudspeaker and stuff like that, and they were saying like, "Don't forget to wash your hands." I was like, "People mm -hmm. weren't washing their hands before." <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, you'd be surprised. You'd be yeah, surprised. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, it would be, it's, it's unfortunate with how many people, um, like I, I remember, I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but, uh, there was a, there was 
a story where a lady in New York, um, she fell out of a building. Um, oh. I don't remember exactly what happened, but it was, uh, and, and she, she was okay. She survived. Um, but they were like, you know, what happened? And, and it was, again, I don't remember exactly what happened, but it was one of the stupidest things where it was, th- there was, it had to be a scenario where she like didn't push the bar or something. There's a bar that protected it and she pushed it and she fell out of a, uh, out of a building. Um, and it was just something that, you know, you would connect the dots and say, well, don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, don't lean over the edge and, and you won't tip over. You know, it, it's, it, it's something that my grandma always says is that common sense is becoming less and less common, but um, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad in movies, at least that's, that the opposite is true. Um, right. That we're we're getting lasers that can in fact cut through, um, you know, metal, and we're getting uh, glass like in <laughs> in Star Trek. I don't know if you've heard of Elon. Um, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, transparent aluminum, very difficult to oh. produce, but uh, you know things are accelerating uh, still, and it's 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 good to see. Yeah, absolutely, and and kind of going back to our our point before about doing research and, and that sort of thing. I advocate, you know, all the time on, on this show and, and pretty much every other show I go on, whenever somebody asks me a question or whenever I'm, I'm asked to speak on behalf of a certain issue or a certain topic, especially around agriculture, but just in general, I always make sure that I specify the idea that I'm, I'm no expert. You know, I don't know everything there is to know about, about these topics. That's why, you know, I, I do a significant amount of research, but anything I say make sure you go fact check it. Like, you know, anyone listening to this, don't, don't just take my word for it. Like whenever I do research, if, if I find something that I think might be true, if I can't find two or three or four other articles that say the exact same thing, then I just don't believe it. Cause it's probably not, you know, there, there's nothing backing it. If you can find, you know, four or five articles that say the exact same thing, then okay. You can, you can see that there's some ground to it. Right. There's some consistency there. Yeah. Just don't mm. assume that the Martian is a real movie just because you know, we're talking about it. <laughs> Matt Damon did not go to Mars, I promise. Yeah, don't assume Matt Damon is a real person either. <laughs> Everyone knows Hollywood Hollywood's not a real place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> aliens Spa- like Men in Black. Yeah, SpaceX oh. is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> Speaking of conspiracy theories. What you got? Do you believe in any? What do you think about conspiracy theories just as a whole? So I really, so I, I grew up, you know, reading all kinds of stuff about, you know, monsters and ghosts and, and conspiracy. <laughs> like I, that was, that's how I grew up. So I, I believe is a strong word. I really like conspiracy theories. I like to hear the ideas behind them. Right. And I, think that, I think that some have some very good foundation and, and some good backing to them. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm off the top of my head. There's, there's none that I could think of that I like firmly believe is the case i mean if you talk about like if you're talking about like aliens and ghosts and that's a different story but if you're talking right. about like you know the illuminati and that sort of thing i believe that you know there's there are certain aspects that sound more believable than others and so it, it's kind of just like it's hard to say i believe in a conspiracy theory when you know some of it i'm like okay that that could be possible but the entire thing i'm just like there's some holes there that right I, yeah no I, that's what i meant is more like you know people that believe that 9-11 was an inside job kind of conspiracy right. theories you know, I mean, things like that. Yeah, I, I can't think of any that that really stand out to me. That I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely true. There's some that I have, I, I have heard that I'm like, I could believe that. Like, it's not that I, it's not that that's that's what I live by. But I could at least like, if it, if it came out to be true, I would not be surprised. Kind of thing. So, I have a question then. 
Okay. Do you believe in ARP? ARP. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 weather machine controlled, but not not AARP, but uh, <laughs> the, the the I think it's ARP. Um, uh, it might be HARP, but anyways, the the weather machine. The, <laughs> <laughs> um, the weather machine that supposedly is in Alaska, I think, um, and it's been a while since I've looked into this conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. uh, but basically the the the, gov- the world's governments control the weather. Have you heard I that heard- one? Okay, so I have heard that theory. I didn't know that's what it was called, but I have heard that that theory. That's a tough one. Um, I think that there are parts of it that I could understand just because of how you know how drastically our our weather changes um, and how quickly it changes. But it, it's difficult for me to say that because if you look at the trends of how weather changes over over time, there's there's consistency there too. So if they are changing it, they're being very careful about how they change it. And so I I don't know that's a tough one I have to look I have to do more research on it to to really get a good standing. Yeah, yeah. I I always thought it was it was interesting because uh, I had actually seen it in a video um, on the the wildfires out in California, mm. um, and so it it just came up and you know you ended up you end up going down the rabbit hole whenever you get into those things. <laughs> but uh, I I just thought it was interesting. I I, I don't for one believe it. Because like you said yourself, you know, there's some stuff that is believable. I, I think we do have a major impact on our environment, right. um, but I don't think there's, you know, someone with the, with the keys to the, to the treasure, so to speak, um, <laughs> who could do whatever they want, whenever they want. Right. Yeah. See, there's I so many. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. So yeah, to me, it's like, I get it, but a lot of conspiracy theories, there's parts, not everyone, but there's always, you know, some big like for example logan's point here about the mm-hmm. weather controlling there's got to be someone that would come across something that obvious you know i right. i feel you know what i mean like some things just you, you can't always hide i mean the, you know crazier things have happened but i just i just think some things are, are too obvious where it, it's only a conspiracy theory if it, right. if it were a fact you know what i mean yeah no exactly yeah. and I, I I think that when it comes to conspiracy theories, I really like the ones that are more like, like there are some that are a little bit too realistic to not be true. Like, right. And, and when I say that, I mean like, you know, it's one of those things that's like, huh, like I, like it's like I said earlier, you can, you could believe it to be true, even if it's like, if it's not, but if it came out to be true, you'd be like, oh yeah, I could have, I could have called that. But there's some that I really, really like. They're like, they're almost kind of like a stupid theory, but they're really fun. And, and it's cool to believe. Yeah. That they be true. Like, like, the Mandela effect, for example, mm-hmm. like I, I'm mm-hmm. assuming you guys know what the Mandela effect is. We need to do actually an episode on that, Braden. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have heard about it. Yes. When everyone okay. starts becoming black, you know, you just <laughs> start starts to affect everyone. Is that what you mean? <laughs> so yeah, the, the, Mandela, the Mandela effect. Very, very briefly, because this is you know we're getting a little off topic, but it's okay. It's, it's perfectly, you know, on par. We'll, we'll swing it back to ag in, in here in just a second. But um, the Mandela effect basically says that there's a couple different theories on how it happens. Either either a time traveler went back in time and changed the timeline. And now they're kind of like, we're seeing changes happen in real time, or we're crossing over with a multiverse with another, with another universe from the multiverse. And our two universes are clashing and it's causing changes. So basically we're seeing things that like the massive majority of people remember them being one way, but they're actually another. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I know. What yeah. You mean. 
So I, I think it's a really fun and kind of cool theory. I'm not sure what, what grounds there is to it. I, I think that there's, you know, there's things that really catch me off guard when I hear that they're Mandela effects. And I, I'm like, oh, I could have believed that. But a lot of them can be kind of written off as like, okay, people just remembered it wrong. Yeah. 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 And as a side note, real quick, sorry to, I'm, I guess I'll be willing it back, but it was actually harp. Um, and that was um, actually a, what it's called a high frequency active rural research program and it's based out of alaska so i was correct about that um, but it's to study the ion sphere interesting and and there's theories that it's actually changing the weather correct um so so it might be you know helping out the farmers in california (laughs) trying to i I mean we're starting the fires farmers to get rid of our (laughs) our droughts yeah yeah. They just give us nonstop rain. That's how you help out the farmers, but maybe that's too obvious for them. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> but um, well, actually, I do know. I do know conspiracy theory around farming. Well, tell old tell. McDonald was a real person. <laughs> Wait, what was it? That old McDonald was a real person. I, I believe that if somebody told me that, but no. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are conspiracies that. Uh, the state, the Cal- at least in California, that the state government is trying to convert all farmland back into desert and swamp like it was before the settlers got here. I've heard that one. Yeah. Okay. And and that one's is okay. That's that's a conspiracy theory that I actually can believe just because of you know the amount of regulation and and the governor himself is not in full support of agriculture. Like that's one of those ones that's like if it came out to be true, I could believe it. But I don't live my life off of the idea that, you know, the government's out to get me kind of thing. Right. right. Yeah. It's hard to to believe people that will live and die by believing that conspiracy theories are 100 percent fact. You know, right. what I mean? when instead yeah. of believing that they're they are what they are. See, theories. They're just theories. <laughs> exactly. So you know I think mean? that I, I think that a lot of farmers are, are fearful of that, but they don't like live their lives out of like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to get taken out by the government kind of thing. But we have seen things that have kind of led to that being true, like like the governor is trying to create a high speed rail in California that would, that would wipe out a decent amount of the farms in the Central Valley. And so stuff like that kind of makes us wonder, like, OK, well, what's your real motivation here? Like, are you trying to actually increase the efficiency of transportation or are you trying to get rid of the farms? Cause you don't have to go to the farms to make your transportation work. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, I mean, as far as agriculture goes, since we kind of <laughs> veered off that track a little bit, um, <laughs> did, <laughs> did you guys have any other questions about agriculture? I mean, both in the movie and just outside of it in general. Um, not, not from me. Braden. No. Yeah. Um, I have a funny story. Okay, go ahead. So, um, my mom is a city person. She was born and raised in Minneapolis and, uh, she's, she's, you know, she's African American. So they like to eat fried chicken. I'm not trying to be racist here. I'm black too. So (laughs) yeah, um, that's kind of just, you know, that's one of the foods that they enjoy. Um, and my grandma makes it, um, she makes really good fried chicken. Anyway, so <laughs> first time she, she ever saw a chicken was as an adult. She was dating my stepdad at the time. And she asked um, why that she said, oh, that poor chicken only has two legs. Hmm. And the reason why everyone started laughing at her is because um, the reason she thought that chickens had four legs is because that's how they came in the certain combo. <laughs> <laughs> they come out, they come oh. out four legs so she thought the chicken had four legs 
That's oh, awesome. Man. <laughs> it, I, I gotta say, that's not the most ridiculous ag fact I've heard. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. So if we're going into this, this is this is a fun story time. So <laughs> just just for the record, I'm assuming you guys know the difference between a cow and a bull. Yes. Yeah, one's male, one's female. Thank you. So <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> sorry i i just hang out with you know what though much. you know what though i will say i think i didn't learn until i was maybe like a preteen or teenager that i mean the, that's, the bull was uh, uh the male and the, the cow was the female that's that's fair though i i can give you that i mean it's it's I, w- I would expect that to be common knowledge but i i can definitely understand why people don't learn until they're older just because they're not if they're not exposed to it as much it's not it's not quite as easy right. to understand I've heard some very interesting responses to that question. <laughs> so I, I'm studying agriculture in college. I'm, I'm 20 years old. I'm a third year in college. I'm, I'm studying to be an ag teacher. And right. I have been part of like the, like what we call like the ag ambassador program, which means that I you know go around and help teach other people about agriculture. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do independently with, with the podcast here. But um, I was at a, a, career show thing and i was i was representing my school and i was you know people would walk by and i'd ask them random questions about ag and if they got it right i'd give them something you know to to reward them if they got it wrong then i'd correct them and it could be about anything animal science plant science ag business mechanics all that kind of stuff so (laughs) the entire day every time somebody walked by and they if because they like spin a wheel if they spun the wheel and landed on animal science Mm -hmm. i would ask them what's the difference between a cow and a bull and a couple of people got it right. A few people said, you know, the bull's male and the cow's female. And then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, good. A lot of people got it wrong, though. And when I say people, I mean, like, full-grown adults in their 40s and 50s, you know. Uh, they they would say, you know, bulls have horns and cows don't, for example. Well, I mean. Which, <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. Which <laughs> is understandable because that's how they're portrayed in media you know you see like cartoons of a bull he has right. big old horns and he's big well, that's what i was gonna food. say is that's how the media portrays it so right and that's understandable but i i you know respectfully explain to them you know uh cows are capable of, of growing horns as well because horns mm-hmm. is a is a genetic thing it's not a it's not a sex thing mm-hmm. and and then you know i've had some people explain to me that you know cows produce milk and, and bulls produce meat which isn't entirely wrong but but <laughs> milk <laughs> Okay. No meat on the bones whatsoever on those cows. <laughs> you mean they they produce meat from the udders? That's what they meant. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, the cows produce the milk, and the bulls produce the meat. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just joking. <laughs> but but that's I mean the, the the fallacy there is that yes, bulls produce meat, but cows can also be yeah, used. Well, meat. exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, would you give them a prize? Because you're like technically you're not wrong. I, I did, yeah, I would give them a prize and I would just correct them and say, you're not wrong, but cows can also be used for meat. Like your average McDonald's burger comes from a milk cow instead of a bull. <laughs> and so I had one guy, and I'll never forget him. He's a very interesting fellow. He came by, spun the wheel, landed on animal uh, animal science. He had to be like in his 50s or 60s, He's kind of an older, older guy. And I think he had a few screws loose because I'm not sure he was just acting kind of weird. I don't know. I asked him what the difference between a cow and a bull was. You want to know what you said? <laughs> what? Bulls eat meat and cows don't. <laughs> uh, 
not even joking. I, I kind of looked at him for a second. I was like, uh, uh, well, he's 50% I, right. <laughs> I, was, I, did, I didn't even know how to respond to that. I was just like, how do you, <laughs> how do you come with okay. that? <laughs> so I just, I corrected him and said, no, bulls don't eat meat. Cows don't eat meat either, but bulls definitely do, do not eat meat. And he was like, oh, I was like, bulls used for meat. Is that what you meant? And he was like, I guess. I was like, okay. He's all disappointed. And I just gave him a pencil and made him go away. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> but I've gotten a lot of weird questions like that. Like, you know, a lot of people believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows, for example. Or... <laughs> I thought that was a joke. No, that's an actual... I've met people that actually thought that. Well, those are people that didn't grow up putting chocolate syrup in the milk. Right, exactly. Or or that didn't grow up, you know, milking cows, too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Or I've had people, you know, say... I've, I actually haven't heard somebody say this, but I know people who have heard people say this, that uh, um, cotton comes from animals, because they think it's... Oh. Um, well, because cotton candy comes from sheep. Pink sheep. <laughs> Minecraft is messing with your head again, Brandon. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, you've been playing too many too much Minecraft. No, I'm joking. That was actually in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's why I brought that up. See, movies are, are ruining people's perspectives on in some ways. Yes. <laughs> we should start a petition. Or the one, remember, they were whipping the cow to make it. <laughs> Oh, oh man, but yeah. So I've I've had some very interesting stories come from people not knowing where their food comes from. Yeah, and that's why oh. I'm here to try to try to fix oh, that. Good. You're doing a good thing. You're Thank you. I appreciate people. that. I think that's, <laughs> that's really good. A lot of people need that education. <laughs> so I learned. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. No, yeah. but I think I speak for Logan. Maybe that we admire what you do with your podcast. You know, that's, mm. I think you're doing a good thing. You're, you're teaching people about um, some, you know, especially people that are interested in it, but maybe didn't grow up around that environment. Mm. I think it's the podcast is a very good way to reach people, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, sorry, Logan, I didn't mean to, to cut you off there. Just want to add to that. No, no, no. Yeah. I just real quick. Um, I, I have a family friend that, uh, you know, he, like, I, I was, I was there when his daughter was born. Um, mm. He's like in between my age and my dad's age. Um, he always calls himself my dad's little brother. Um, but, you know, he he was, you know, a city guy, came from San Antonio, kind of like Braden. Um, but now he lives out on a farm. Um, and, you know, you know, stuff like your podcast can really, you know, have people, people's opinions change as from you know farming being ew gross i got to deal with stinky animals mm. to wow you know there's a lot of science a lot of effort a lot of really interesting stuff that gets into this and it could be really enjoyable it's i think it's one of the most enjoyable um forms of work that you could do is is working with animals and working with the the soil um, it's something that feels natural feels real feels good and then you're with science as well and it's just combining all the coolest things together so i i I agree with Brandon. I, I appreciate what you do. Awesome. I, I, I greatly appreciate the, uh, the compliments. And I've, I've learned over time that a lot more people are curious about and want to learn about where the food comes from and all the science and all the technology and all the kind of stuff that's incorporated with growing it. They just don't really know where to get the information. And so I'm, I'm trying to be that, that source, at least maybe, you know, 
I, I try to give them the information, but I also try to lead them to where they can find it. That way they can go and share it around and, and tell their friends and their family about, oh, I just learned about, you know, we they actually use robots to pick our, our fruit and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, stuff like that's really, really cool to me to see. Um, but no, I, I definitely agree that it's, it's something that is, I mean, obviously, I, I believe it's something that's kind of lost upon, you know, the newer generations of society that they just aren't connected to the farm quite as much. And I, you know, I never advocate for the idea that people need to be, you know, all country, they need to, you know, support a country lifestyle or anything like that. I, I think that however people live is perfectly fine, as long as they understand that, you know, a lot of work goes into producing their food and the way they vote, the way they purchase, you know, the, the decisions they make when purchasing, what labels they decide to trust and, you know, who they decide to support, all those things impact how their food is grown. And the, the sooner they understand that, the easier it is for that food to be grown effectively. And it makes it a lot less stressful for that farmer to, to do his, to do his job well. So, yeah. um, yeah, but I, I, like I said, I, I appreciate you making the time to, to do this. I apologize for the technical difficulties. No, you're good. We got it all resolved. Yeah. And so I, I'm glad we were able to do this. I know that when, when we first started talking, it was kind of a, a struggle to figure out what would be a good movie to base this off of. And I wanted to do a movie just because I'm kind of taking a new approach to this of, you know, having these conversations in the context that's outside of just agriculture and country and, you know, providing things that people could listen to and latch to and, and relate to. And so I thought that the movie thing would be kind of a cool idea to try out. Yeah, I think it's worked out well. Yeah. So... Um, I think that's all I have for, for you guys. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add, if you want to plug, you know, your podcast or any, or any media or anything like that again, you're well welcome to. Um, I'll leave that up to you, Brayden. You, you, you could go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think we talked about it a little bit more, but I guess I can just quickly repeat myself. <laughs> Me and Logan host a podcast called absolutely gobsmacked. We go over behind the scenes stories, maybe things that you didn't know about some of your favorite movies um, we take a light approach to it. So we try to add a little bit of comedy while giving you some facts, you know, educating you on how things kind of go behind the scenes, some stories you didn't realize. Okay. And, uh, so once in a while we also do true crime, um, which can be a little more somber, a little sad, but, um, for the most part, I think it's a good break from reality. There's a lot going on in the world right now, you know, with COVID and there's a lot of political movements and, and, you know, it's it's a podcast where everyone can listen, no matter what your opinion or walk of life is. I know you'll appreciate it. So. Awesome. Well, yep, I I will definitely I'll be linking it down in the description so you guys can go check it out. I heavily recommend it. I listen to it all the time while I'm at work. It kind of gives me it gives my brain something to do while I'm just in autopilot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it's a great thing you guys are doing. It's a lot of fun. I really, really enjoy it. I think a lot of other people should as well. Um, but yeah that's that's all i have so thank you guys once again for joining me thanks everyone so much for tuning in and don't forget if you ate today thank a farmer Mm -hmm.